Well, good evening. Good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have those of you who are joining us there online on Facebook and Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, YouTube's at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, uh, and then we also have our phone live streaming. So be sure to share those, heart those, like those, subscribe, click the notification bells, uh, tag people in it. That just gets the word out to others, sort of a last-minute invite, if you will, uh, and you won't want to miss tonight's service. Uh, also, you can go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go to the far left-hand side. Uh, or not the far left-hand side. <laughs> Click, it's about four tabs over, I believe it is. Uh, click the info tab there, and under the info tab, uh, you'll find the worship bulletin for today. Uh, you can go ahead and get that downloaded, as well as uh, our worship bulletins for children, ages three and up and ages seven and up. If you need those in person, they're over here in the windowsill. You can also share those links with anybody uh, that you want to. And then do go to the far right-hand side and click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving there, or you can drop it by the church anytime during our business hours, or send it in the mail to Highland Baptist Church at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388. And so just wanted to share that with you also. Don't forget, too, that we have uh, the, the cards that we're uh, sharing with everyone for the Revelation study that we're doing on the numbers in the book of Revelation, uh, as well as these are numbers in the Old Testament and New Testament and what they represent uh, and mean. Uh, if you want one of those, let us know that. And then we also have our books that we're giving away that go along with our Sunday series on Sunday morning and Sunday night on the life of Jesus. It's the Illustrated Life of Jesus by Herschel Hobbs. So I encourage you. It's a great, great resource here. Uh, has a lot of information in it that can help guide you as we're going through the life of Jesus. So let us know that in the comments. Send us an email if you want one of those, and we'll send those out to you free of charge. So glad to have you with us tonight. Brother Mike, if you'll come, lead us in our hymn, please. Good evening. Great is the Lord, and he's worthy of our praise. So let's turn our hymnals and turn to 227. Praise him, praise him.
as we shared with you this morning, you know the events that have been going on around our world there in Ukraine uh, and, and all of the devastation that's happening there, the people uh, that are suffering. Uh, we wanted to share some with you tonight. Brother Ken's going to come and share some from a mission trip that I believe our church and some, some from our church took back in 2005, and he'll show more about that. Uh, but we want to encourage you as you watch these uh, pictures that you will see and as he shares to be in prayer uh, for these people and for our missionaries who are serving there. So Brother Ken, if you'll come. Uh, I felt led to call Jim this week or text him actually and just say, hey, I'd like to do this because... Uh, this has been on our heart right now. In 2005, a group of us, including Kerry uh, Newton and Spencer and Ben Farrell and, Don, and Brother Don, went with a group uh, organized by Tommy and, and uh, John Swallow from one of the Lutheran churches around here uh, to Ukraine. We went, actually went with the Belmont, uh, a group of Belmont athletes at the same time. So they did sports ministry while we did other types of things over there. But we met some really, really, really neat people. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. Like I said, I, just, I, call, I sent this to Jim, and he was gracious enough to let me do this. So I just, I'm not going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of background, a little word along the way to tell you what I'm showing here. But basically, these are the people of Ukraine, people that we met. They're Christians. We went over there supporting a man named, and I'm not going to give you the last names because I can't remember most of them, but, the, but we just didn't do him as Pastor Peter. We had a lady, young lady who translated for us most of the week named Oksana. I think Carrie Newton's been in, been in touch with her ever since, uh, since sometimes. And I, from what I heard from Carrie this morning, they're not in imminent danger right now, but they don't know. They don't know anything. Uh, first of all, I've got a map just to get you oriented. This is the country of Ukraine. Kiev is where all the, these are hot spots over there right now is what the stars are. So this is places where there's fighting or where there's conflict right at the moment. This is the thing. Kiev is sort of in the center of it, north center of it. Where we were was in a city called Zhitomyr, which is just to the west of there. You can see it's the first star just to the left of that. Uh, that's where we spent most of our time, uh, in the city of Zhitomyr. And uh, I just, just want to get you oriented. Russia, of course, is off here to the right. Belarus is the country right above that. Just above that, that star right at the, just above Kiev is Chernobyl. We're within 70 miles of Chernobyl. Uh, and just to give you a feel for the, they thought we looked off when we were there, of course I was younger than in 2005, but they thought we looked really, really young because they've all been exposed to radiation. They don't expect to live past 50 to 60. They really, they expect to have radiation poisoning. And they thought, we, you know, they thought we were in our 30s. I wasn't at the time, but anyway. Anyway, that just gives you a little bit of feel for where these all are. And, I, and I, like I say, I want you to see the people. That's the main thing I'm looking at tonight. So whoever, Tommy, if you've got the thing, flip to the next slide. This is the family we stayed with. A uh, man named Sasha. Actually, his name's Alexander. We, everybody named Alexander over there goes by the name Sasha, nickname Sasha. So if you hear him, somebody introduces Sasha, he's really Alexander. But anyway, that's the family we stayed with. They didn't speak a word of English. We didn't speak a word of Ukrainian. And by the way, I had picked up... Uh, you go to the store to look for language place language books, you can find Russian books all over the place. You do not find Ukrainian books everywhere. And Russian and Ukrainian are not the same. And they are quick to tell you that's the Russian pronunciation. We don't for example, most people talk about the city of Kiev. That's the Russian translation. 
you say Kiev in, in Ukraine and they'll look at you like, yeah, you're, it's Kiev, just simply Kiev. Uh, anyway, this is the family we stayed with. They were great host. It was an interesting week trying to communicate where they didn't speak anything that we could understand and we didn't speak anything they could understand. But they were a really neat family. And by the way, keep in mind as you're looking through this also, this was in 2005, that's 16 and a half years ago. So everybody seeing this picture is now 16 and a half years older. These kids that, you're, that I'm gonna show you a bunch of pictures of are now roughly 24, 25, 26. Guess what they're doing right now? Okay, anyway, this is the painting we stayed with. Uh, look to the next one. Uh, this is one of the churches now. I'm gonna show you several pictures. This is some of the kids at some of the churches over there. Uh, great bunch of kids. They looked a little solemn in this picture. I'm not sure why. Some of the some of the pictures look a little solemn, but they really were a great bunch of kids. We had a lot of good times with them. Diane worked, and some others worked with them doing crafts and things. You may see some of those in a few minutes. Just some of the kids. And again, like I said, picture these at the age of 24, 25, carrying a, K, uh, a Kalashnikov rifle right now. Okay, flip to the next. This young lady played the violin for us. Uh, she wasn't a virtuoso but she really cared and she played, she played real neat. So we enjoyed that. Uh, next slide. Some of the people we met, the lady over at the far right is Tommy Swallow. Uh, she was one of the ones from the youth Lutheran church around here that helped organize this. But uh, just some of the people, the man on the left there, I've got another picture of him in a few moments. You'll never meet a guy that's more jovial and more fun to be around. And he, was, he was just all uh, really good. Uh, no, we, no. There's the well. He drove part of the time, but there's another guy who was a driver. I've got a picture of our driver here in just a few minutes. Uh, his, his name, by the way, is Stanislaus. I do remember his name, and the main reason I do is because there's a Saint, Saint Stanislaus monastery outside of St. Louis that I connected with. But anyway, his name is Stanislaus. Don't know the other people's names. Uh, next slide. One of the congregations we we visited about four or five different churches over there. The, there was a pretty good size when we were in, in uh, Jatomer itself. Uh, all the others were smaller rural churches, but really neat people at all of this. this is one of the congregations. Uh, all, the, all the ladies, once you reach the age of 21, by the way, you will be wearing a scarf, headscarf. Most of the, people, most of the, the culture over there is or Greek Orthodox uh, background. These were not necessarily, but uh, that's the culture they come out of. Uh, next slide. They had a lot of kids that were there all the time. Like I said, this is some of the, again, in one of the smaller churches we were in. Kids, and so they had, they were reaching a lot of, a lot of kids over there through the ministry. Uh, next slide. Well, this young lady was one I took out, uh, took a picture of in particular. She was a really neat young lady. Uh, she could, if I remember right, she could speak a little bit of English. Not a lot, but a little bit. But we had a good time with her. She's a real, real sweet young lady. I would guess she's probably eight or ten, ten at that point, which makes her in her 30, early 30s right now. Uh, this is a, a, a lady and her daughter. We, part of the time when we was over there, we went out and uh, went touring, around, visiting around different homes in the area. And this is at the, one of the homes we went to. A lady came to the door, and we talked to her for a while. We had to have a translator all the time with us. Uh, none of us spoke, like I said, we didn't speak Ukrainian at all 
little bits and pieces of things, but we had a translator that went with us everywhere. Oksana, the young lady, was one. Uh, we had another man. The first, what was the first guy's name? The trans- I can't remember his name right at the moment. At the end of the week, we had a man named, it went, uh, the name of Peter, and he translated for me at one of the uh, services that I spoke at toward the end of the week. He was a really nice guy. Anyway, this, uh, just, you know, good seeming people, just good people, good to be around and fun to talk to. Uh, next slide. Uh, I got another picture of this one here in just a moment. This is another co- uh, mother and daughter that we talked to over there. Uh, and as it turned out, Don and Tommy and uh, the pastor Peter spent a lot of time talking to the mother. So flip to the next slide. Those hands are mine. I didn't take that picture. A friend of mine, I guess Tommy Swallow probably took that picture. But believe it or not, I spent time jumping rope with her. You ever, I was going to join in the conversation. You ever tried to get in a word between two pastors talking? I gave up from that, and the little girl needed to have time to talk to the mother. Somebody needed, so I spent time with her, and I, I actually jumped rope. I didn't kill myself, but I did jump rope with her. You know what she's got for a jump rope? A piece of wire. That was all she had for a jump rope. And she, was, she didn't speak a word of English. She didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what she was saying, but we had a blast. We really did. We had a blast. Anyway. Uh, one of the little boys, we did a lot of uh, Bible, backyard Bible club type camps and things over there. And this is one little boy that just stood out at me when I was taking pictures. He's got a little a glo- a globe, blow up globe that we took. We took a lot of supplies when we went. And uh, took a lot of supplies and part of them were props and things. Uh, and that was one, just a blow up globe that he had a blast with. He, he was just having all sorts of fun. Uh, next slide. Some of the gentlemen that we talked to, uh, I believe it's, yeah, the one on the left, it was the pastor of the small rural church. He's the one that got so excited, he had to show me something. He took me around. By the way, the building we're in, a lot of the buildings that they were using for churches over there in these rural areas for meeting places were Russian uh, meeting halls when, the, when it was the Soviet Union. Cultural centers, that's the term I was looking at. They, they called them cultural centers. And they had since been turned into small meeting halls and so forth. He was so excited, he took me around back to show me a broken window in his meeting hall that he had patched with an upside-down picture of Vladimir Lenin. They were using Lenin's picture to patch the broken glass in the, in the cultural center, but he was so excited to show me that. Uh, so anyway, uh, some other people were just there. Next slide. Uh, there's Brother Don in another picture with a bunch of the families, uh, men from the area. Uh, same same pastor and others. Don had jumped into the picture there at that point. Uh, next slide. Some of the teenagers that we had over the young teenagers. These are the ones that Diane and others and Carrie and others did crafts and things with. Uh, that some of the she's holding up. They had made the yarn stitcher, stitchings and things, and they were doing some of those kind of things. Had a, quite a few youth over there in that in that group. Next slide. There's our driver. You look at the smile on his face. He was just so glad to sit, to be there. Every time we got in the car, it was, you know, he could speak enough English to communicate. You know, we could do a little bit, but uh, not not fluent. But he was just so glad. We drove in that van probably, I don't know how many miles, all over the countryside around Jatomer. It was really neat. Uh, and that's Tommy Swallow in the background there, I think. Hey, that's you, sweetheart. Diane over on the left, I think. Isn't, isn't that you over there? Yeah. We were getting ready to head up one of the churches. Uh, next slide. 
A number of what I'm going to show you here is some of the younger kids. And again, picture these kids carrying AK-47s around at this point in time. They were anywhere from six to ten years old, a lot of these. A young lady that was just having a good time making doing a craft of a rainbow. We were teaching about the rainbow and about Noah's Ark. Found out, by the way, that they don't know what a raccoon is. They have no idea what a raccoon is. <laughs> we were talking about different animals that could put on the ark. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we had, that's right. We had face masks of animals. They didn't have a clue what a raccoon was. When, you, when we got more time, I'll tell you the bad joke that a, the, one of our co the co guys who went with us told about the, the uh, termites as well. That was, that was, that was hilarious, too. Uh, next slide. Several of the kids. Uh, the young lady in the front had an eye problem. One of the, 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 the guy who went with, one of the guys who went with us I didn't know was actually an optometrist, and he had a whole slew of uh, Lions Club glasses. He had a big case of, you know, if you, if you drop off around here, you can take, drop off eyeglasses at the Lions Club. They put them to good use because he was, he was fitting people with glasses over there. And I should have got a picture of the one guy who got a new pair of glasses. They were women's glasses that looked frilly. It, it didn't matter. He could see. He didn't care what they looked like. He could see. It was really neat. Anyway, she's got an eye problem, and uh, you can't tell her in that picture, but uh, they were trying to figure out some way to help her, uh, the little girl on the left. Next slide. Uh, another little girl was doing another project. Uh, just real sweet. Uh, next slide. Some of the teenagers doing their crafts and doing their yarn projects and so forth. God's eyes, yeah. Okay. And some of the several different churches. Okay, next slide. Uh, this young lady was just really a joy to be around. I couldn't understand much what she said, but she was just a joy to be around with a smile on her face in one of the places we went to, one of the rural churches we went to. Uh, next slide. I told you we had lots of kids to, do, to work with, just lots of them. Uh, they were all over the place. There's another picture of a group of the kids at one of the meetings we were having. Uh, next slide. There's Stanislaus. Uh, again, like I say, he was just as jovial, just as happy. I mean, they didn't have hardly anything. I can tell you about one of the houses we went to when we went out going around. It, the house itself looked like I grew up on a farm outside of Nashville where we had a chicken coop, except for it being it wasn't dirty like a chicken coop. But that's the, that's what the house was. Keeve gets really cold over there on the steps. There was no threshold in the door. The door was like a, a just a swinging wooden door. And she, this lady was living there. She was widowed and living there with her handicapped son in that house. Anyway, Stanislaus was just a joy to be around. Uh, next slide. I think that's his wife, and I don't, can't remember her name right at the moment. But they were, again, you can see the smile on her face. They were so happy to have us there. It was just fun to be around. Uh, next slide. Uh, there's the, the lady on the left was a Ukrainian who was there uh, uh, and was helping out, with helping the optometrist out, fitting glasses to people, trying to help them get glasses on. She spent a lot of time doing that. And that's her daughter that has a, some type of an eye problem, and I can't remember what it was right now, but they were trying to figure out some way to help the little girl. Next slide. I'm not even going to say anything about that. Just look at that one for a moment. <laughs> uh, we handed out bags to most of the times we was over there, of different treats and things, and they, she was hanging on to hers for dear life. Uh, next slide. Towards the end of the week, we went to an uh, orphanage over there and spent some time there. The 
the Belmont basketball team did all sorts of, they, had, they were spinning basketball, doing all sorts of tricks and things for the kids, playing soccer with them out on the playground, things, those kind of things. But this is just some of the kids we had at the, at the orphanage we went to. Uh, next slide. Uh, two in particular, I think they were brother and sister that were at this orphanage that we got to meet. And next slide. Uh, just more. Like I said, just picture these kids now, 16 and a half years later in the middle of what's going on in Ukraine. It's kind of hard. It just tears my heart out. And next slide. Uh, have a special connection with him. This young man I was talking to, uh, trying to talk to with the translator and just shirt and just having fun with him. He wanted my name badge. So I'm hoping somebody remembers me over there a little bit at this point because he, I gave him my name badge and he was just thrilled. Uh, we were all carrying name, t name cards around and so forth. So. Uh, next slide. Uh, more of the kids are looking back across. Uh, or, there are numerous orphanages over there. This was just one we got to. Uh, did we go to the second one or just the one? Yeah, we went to two orphanages, two different orphanages over there. I don't remember which ones these were, whether it was the first or the second one, but uh, just more kids and more. The, the, the pull your verse out this morning, fields widen the harvest. They're just all over the place over there. And what? Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I should have pointed that out. The reason a lot of the orphanages are there is because their parents aren't around anymore because of Chernobyl. And that was in 86, I believe, the Chernobyl accident. Uh, next slide. And back to the, again, this is the family we stayed with, just a joy. Uh, they, uh, they probably put up with all sorts of things. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to do the right things, trying to figure out to get silverware to eat meals with and those kind of things. We probably made a mess of their bathrooms and showers and things, trying to keep cleaned up. They get, they, me and Diane slept in a bed. If you know, nowadays most people have either a king or queen size bed. If you're not, you've got a double size bed. We had me and Diane slept in one that was about a three quarter or two thirds size bed. <laughs> but it was all they had. But they were willing. They were happy to share it with us. So, anyway, and flip one more, and well, there's a couple more here. One of, the, one of the days we went out to uh, a village far outside of Kiev, and they said, they, they, as you me, they told us we were probably the first Americans that had, ever, that had been in that village since before World War II, if ever, if only Americans had been there. We had a two and a half hour, two and a half, two, about two and a half, three hour service that day, standing. They, this was outdoors. They didn't have a place big enough, for, and we had a and we had a big crowd there. We had probably a hundred or two hundred people coming around for that. Don spoke, the pastor of the church, the man, the man that's walking out there. He's the pastor of the church out there. Uh, I think Brother Peter spoke. Uh, it was quite a crowd, but it was three-hour service standing. If you ever stood, you know, we complain about standing for second hymn. Anyway, next slide. And I'm gonna, if Diane can talk a little bit, I'm gonna let her share about this one because she had the conversation with this lady on the, on the steps of the, one of the churches there. And if you can't hear, I'll, re I'll where she is, I'll echo it back.
and she didn't speak a word of English either. It was all through a translator. But they had a good long conversation, really, really good conversation on the steps of the church out there. I think that's the last slide, I believe, isn't it, Tommy? Yeah, okay. I want to read you something here just to finish up with. Uh, this came from Baptist Global News. Uh, this is a Friday roundup newsletter I get the other day, and he was talking about what's going on over in Ukraine. And he was uh, outraged and frustrated at what's going on. But anyway, he goes, It was stunning to be listening in on a Zoom call yesterday with European Baptist Federation leaders, hearing a firsthand report from a leader among Ukrainian Baptists. After nearly an hour of conversation, the Ukrainian pastor was asked to summarize his thoughts, and he replied, Please keep believing that God will be glorified. As Ukrainians, we want to say we would win, but our hope is that God would be glorified. Uh, I think it kind of summarizes it. Uh, I'm probably out of time, but any quick questions? Like I said, I've got, I've got copies of these slides. The one of the little girls here, I made a big copy out because I was so thrilled that that just touched me. Unfortunately, when you print things off on an inkjet printer, they get messed up every now and then. So this one doesn't look good. But I do have small copies of these. I would invite you to pick up one of these and take it with you and pray for that person this week. I'll just leave them down here and uh, just ask you to pray for them. You want to have a prayer? I will, sure. Father, we praise you. You're a good God. Your God in Ukraine, your God in Tullahoma, your God everywhere, you're the Lord of the universe. We lift up to you these people, especially the ones we've seen pictured here. I don't know where they are right now. I don't know what's going on in their lives, but you do. And I pray that you would protect them, put your hands around them, build a hedge around them, as the, as the scripture says in one place, and just keep them safe. Guide them through all of this that's going on. Help them to have a place, safe place to live when it's all over. And continue to let the gospel spread. And may you be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I'll just lay these. Yes, be sure to get one of those, pick one of those up. Uh, if you're at home and you're watching online, you can go back and watch this again afterwards and, and re-see those pictures uh, again and, and spend some time in prayer uh, for those individuals uh, that Brother Ken shared with us there. You know, God is, all, has been doing for many years uh, great and mighty work there in Ukraine uh, with the gospel going forth. It's one of our uh, places that we... Are, are able to impact lostness in, in the eastern uh, block areas there of Europe, and it's right up against Russia, and so there are people who are there who have family members over in Russia, and so reaching those people when they would go over to visit their family members, the gospel was going over, and so just continue to remember all of those people and, and the gospel that's going forth there, and just pray for their protection. Uh, and, and as Brother Ken said from the pastor there that shared uh, that God would be glorified through all of this. That's the main thing. So take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 down through verse 30. We're not going to go through every verse here. But uh, in this passage, it has a lot to do uh, with what we even talked about tonight in sharing uh, about these, uh, these individuals who hard to imagine 16 years later 
what they may look like, what they may be doing, what they actually are, where they're actually at there, if they're on the front lines, or maybe they're in a refugee camp or wherever they might be. Uh, it's hard for us to imagine, but uh, we're going to see here that Jesus himself, when he came, as we're going through the life of Jesus here, uh, we're going to see that he goes back to his hometown, if you will, back to Nazareth. And it's there that he shares with us uh, a very encouraging message, but also a very sobering message for us uh, as believers. And so we just want to begin with verse 16, uh, and then we'll uh, pick up with some of the rest of the verses and move uh, right on through. So let's stand as we read God's word uh, in honor of his word. So speaking of Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this evening, once again, Lord, we do continue to uplift the people of Ukraine. We uplift especially those, Lord, who don't know Christ. People, Lord, who... Uh, their lives may be taken and they may spend an eternity separated from you in hell because uh, they don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you will use the church that is there, use the Christians who are there to be a witness to the lost people in this opportunity, at least that is there to bring glory and honor to your name, that people will hear the gospel, people will respond to the gospel, and that the name of Jesus Christ will be uplifted and you would indeed be glorified. Lord, place a hedge of protection about them. We know, Lord, there were many churches that, that sought to meet today in Ukraine. We pray that things uh, went well safely there. Uh, Father, we know that there are many who are still in harm's way, and there are many who are, who are still on the front lines fighting. And so, Father, we just continue to uplift the people of Ukraine in our prayers. Lord, we ask for your blessings upon this word uh, tonight as we look at uh, the prophet who was rejected uh, Father, I pray that we will see some truths that we can apply to our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you be seated? If you go back to verse 14 and verse 15, verse 14 and verse 15 tells us that Jesus was really popular. Jesus had returned, it says, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. This is after his uh, temptation, and this is kind of placing some of this in some chronological order here uh, from where we were in the Gospel of John even uh, this morning. So verse 14 and 15 kind of overlap that period of where we were in John uh, this morning. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit uh, to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, uh, and he, he taught in their synagogues being glorified uh, by all. Uh, you know, he, he really was popular. However, uh, this isn't the praise that goes along with true worship. Uh, this was a worldly popularity. Jesus was uh, sought after by many as kind of a celebrity. Uh, on a popular level, Jesus is the man, but they don't know him yet. And so Jesus uh, comes to Nazareth in verse 16 that we read uh, a moment ago. It's his hometown. It's where he grew up most of his life there, uh, where he had been brought up. And when he gets home, uh, he immediately, the Bible tells us there, goes to his regular routine. The Bible says he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. 
You know, a, a little bit aside here, Jesus went to synagogue regularly, it said. It was his usual custom. You know, we live in a day where uh, a lot of Christians uh, take, uh, take that for granted. Uh, the, and some even say, well, we don't need to be a part. You don't have to be a part of a church or attend regularly. Um, and, and they tell us that church has uh, too many problems and that their faith is more genuine because they're not part of an institutional church. Uh, but if Jesus went to synagogue every Sabbath, shouldn't we as Christians go to church every Sunday? I mean, how are we going to be like Jesus if we're always avoiding the things Jesus regularly did? And, and so the synagogue of Jesus' day, if you really look at it, was in worse shape than, than the church here, at least in America, uh, was, is in our day. And yet Jesus still went. Uh, Jesus is in the community here where he grew up. He's in the synagogue with the religious people uh, where he would have been known the best uh, by people. And so I want you to see him reading the scripture in verse 16 down through verse 20. Let's just look again at verse 17. We'll move on to verse 17. It says he had stood up to read in verse 16. And it says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So he stands up. And someone else hands him the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So this is where Jesus preaches his first sermon in Luke's gospel. So you get the scene there. He stands up, unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, uh, and what we would uh, call in our Bibles Isaiah 61, uh, verse 1 and 2, uh, and he begins to read. And here's what he reads and uh, down through the verses here in verse uh, 18. Uh, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then notice verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on it. I mean, it's kind of a, a strange situation here. Jesus stands up. Somebody hands him the scroll. He unrolls it, reads just these two verses. It's, he stops in the middle of the passage there in the book of Isaiah. And then he rolls it back up, hands it to the guy, sits down, and everybody's looking at it. And you can just feel the tension in the air. People are leaning in, wondering, what is he going to say? What is he going to say about this passage? Now, the background of this passage is the year of Jubilee, described in Leviticus 25 and verse 7. Every seven years, the Jews were to observe a sabbatical year and to allow the land a time of rest. After seven sabbaticals, uh, or 49 years, uh, then they were to celebrate the 50th year as the year of Jubilee. And during that year, all debts were canceled. All the land was returned to the original landowners. The slaves were freed. Everybody was given a fresh new beginning. Wouldn't you like that? All the debts are free. <laughs> They're clear. This was the Lord's way of balancing the economy and keeping the rich from exploiting uh, the poor. If you had trusted Christ as your Savior, know this. You are living in a spiritual year of Jubilee because you have been set free from the bondage uh, of sin. Your spiritual debt has been paid by Jesus Christ. You are living in the acceptable year of the Lord. I instead of ashes of mourning, 
You have a crown on your head because as Revelation 1, 6 says, he has made you a king. You've been anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit and you wear a garment of righteousness. In the days of Israel's rebellion, uh, they were uh, kind of like a fading oak, if you will. They were like a garden that, that hadn't had any water. Uh, but in the end, you're going to see as we're continuing through our Revelation study that Israel uh, the, in, the, in the final kingdom is going to be like a watered garden, is going to be like an oak tree uh, of righteousness. But all of us as God's people, isn't that what Psalm 1 uh, tells us? All of us as God people, God's people uh, ought to be faithful. It says uh, the one who is faithful is like a tree planted by streams of waters uh, that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers, Psalm 1. And verse 3, we're to be like the planting of the Lord that, that he might be glorified, as Isaiah 61 verse 3 says. So in their kingdom year of Jubilee uh, in the future, uh, the Jewish people will rebuild, repair, restore their land, uh, and, and God will bless them uh, with a double portion of his blessing. So Isaiah 61 prophesies the coming of the Messiah who brings the salvation of God. Now, it doesn't just prophesy about Jesus bringing salvation, bringing hope, but it also prophesies about him bringing judgment. And that part about the judgment is what is coming uh, in the end day, in the latter days here. And so Isaiah says that the Messiah is anointed to do one thing primarily, to preach, to proclaim. And what the, that's what a prophet does. They, they preach the word, they, prom, the, they tell the promises of God. So what is he promising here? What is he sharing here in his proclamation? He will proclaim good news to who? The poor. He'll proclaim liberty to the captive. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the year... Of the Lord's favor. Now, sometimes people interpret this quote as, as sort of a political statement. Uh, they view Jesus as a, as a social political re revolutionary, if you will, because of the re references of liberating the poor and the oppressed. They understand this passage to have implications for the mission of the church in alleviating the suffering of people uh, who are actually poor and in prison. Some, and, and there is a responsibility we have in that, and I'll show you that here in just a moment. Uh, but it, some uh, view the quotations here in a purely spiritual terms. Uh, they see the passage as a picture uh, of the coming spiritual salvation uh, from the Lord. They believe that the poor, the blind, the, the oppressed uh, are that way because of sin. Uh, Isaiah 61 certainly has that in mind uh, with that salvation message there. This salvation anticipates a time where, uh, when all people's spiritual brokenness and their spiritual poverty and their spiritual imprisonment and their spiritual blindness and their spiritual oppression because of sin will be restored and, and reversed by God's favor and his grace through preaching. While Isaiah 61 has its fulfillment, has that fulfillment, it's also certain that this text cannot be taken as, as anything less than the gospel going to the poor people, to the imprisoned people, to the oppressed, that it's both. It is seeking to reach out to share the greatest message to, to make the difference spiritually for them. But a gospel that goes forth that only shares that but never seeks to, to minister to the needs of the individuals is not really a gospel at all. 
It needs to be real. It needs to be uh, practical. And so it cannot be anything less than the gospel going uh, to those individuals that he lists here. And so the best way to understand this text is first, if we remember, that this text is about Jesus, though, and, and not about us. This is Jesus saying to us that the prophecy in Isaiah refers to his own life and his ministry. So whatever the text of the prophecy was fulfilled on that day, it was fulfilled on that day when Jesus preached this sermon. And so Jesus is the Messiah, the prophet who brings the announcement of God's kingdom breaking into the world. The poor here are certainly those who are poor because of their sin, but it's also those who are poor physically in this world. So throughout Luke's gospel, uh, the people that Jesus, you're going to see as we continue through his life and uh, in, in his ministry, who respond most fervently, who, who are quick to the message uh, of Jesus, are those who are materially poor and destitute and, and the beggars. Uh, the blind are those who are spiritually blind uh, by the God of this age, but it also includes people like blind Bartimaeus, uh, who, who even though he couldn't see physically, he could see spiritually. Bartimaeus knew that Jesus is the Christ, the son of David. And so despite his physical limitations, Bartimaeus recognized the spiritual reality that Jesus Christ is the greatest prophet uh, who brings the messianic kingdom uh, of God. The second thing to recognize is that Jesus did, in fact, go to these kind of people. And he did proclaim the, the message of the kingdom of God. And if Jesus did that, so should we. See, the primary way of setting people free from their social and political circumstances is the proclamation of the gospel, is the glorification, the bringing glory to God. And that's why this pastor uh, shared this. His heart is to see uh, God glorified. Uh, and, and so uh, that's the primary way. But that means that the gospel has to be so real that it addresses people in their needs right where they are. Because understand, people don't care what you have to say until they know you care. And we need, and that's locally and that's globally. And so the gospel cannot be separated from the real conditions of the people that it addresses. And so that is what the people of Ukraine need. That is what the people of Russia need. That is what the people of this world need, is the gospel message. They need the changing of the heart from the inside out. The gospel can't be separated from that. So when you look at Israel, Israel was under Roman occupation. Israel was oppressed. They were crushed beneath the heel of the Caesars. And Jesus comes preaching to them the gospel of the kingdom. Not the kingdom of Caesar, but the kingdom of another world. He, he gave hope to a people broken by the rule of men. And that's why you have Christians, believers, who are staying where they are in Ukraine. Because they have resolved in, in their hearts that they know that there is a better place that they are going. And they are going to seek to make an eternal difference where they are. He gave a hope to a people who were broken by the rule of men. And that's what the people around us outside of these walls need. The gospel we preach doesn't mean that any of us escape suffering. The gospel we preach is not some pie-in-the-sky gospel, if you will. 
It's a gospel that understands pain. It's a gospel uh, that is roughened by grit. It's a gospel uh, that, that is ministering and reaching out to the marginalized people. The gospel must enter the world as it is and proclaim to a broken people that there is a healing Savior. Notice again that Jesus was reading from Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. But he abruptly stops in the middle of verse 2 in Isaiah 61. Why? Because that last part had to do with judgment. And his present ministry was salvation, not judgment. His future ministry would be to judge the world. And so we are to be uh, pointing people to the one who sets them free, to the one who enters uh, temptation to purchase our victory, the one who, who comes into this broken world with the promise of rescue and deliverance. And I want to say our world is broken. Our world around us here is broken. And his promise comes to people while they're in their misery. And that's why it's good news. That's why the angels shout joy to the world. That's why the gospel gives life. It, it reaches people in their barrenness. We're not supposed to form some holy huddle and, and stay here in the churches and, and, and swell our heads with all the, the theology and the Bible knowledge. You can have all the Bible knowledge in your head, but if you never go out there and exercise it and practice it, uh, like this mission group that went, this group on this mission team, uh, and others who have gone over the years. Yeah, we're supposed to be feeding on the Word of God, but we're also supposed to be finding the beggars and telling them where there's bread. That we've already found the bread. We've already found the bread of life. We, we need to find the fellow lepers to tell them where there is cleansing. But we have to remember that we were lepers who once woke up to the, to the enemy camp already abandoned. And we needed the victory we did, that we didn't even earn. But God gave us that salvation for free. We have found what, most des what we most desperately needed. And our task is to be going to our neighbors and telling them that there's a Savior who supplies all of their needs too. The question is, will we embrace that calling really and practically and daily? Because we need to be reaching out to the down and out as well as to the up and out. And that means we have to go to the prosperous areas, but we also have to be doing ministry in the places where, where windows are broken and bottles are in, in the streets and, neighbor, and neighbors are, are broken in all kinds of sin. The Lord wants us to tell the neighborhoods of our city and our neighborhoods, our neighbors in our community that there is a Savior who was tempted just like you, who gave his life for your salvation. And his name is Jesus the Son of God, crucified for our sins, buried and raised three days later for our justification. We're supposed to tell the blind that if they believe in Jesus, they may never see physically with their eyes in this life, but they can see the glories that they cannot imagine. We're supposed to tell the prisoners that they may be required to serve lifelong sentences, but they can be free even inside that jail. If they believe we have to tell uh, the poor that they may not receive the riches of this world, 
and they may have to serve the Lord the rest of their life in poverty, but in glory they will receive the riches that they cannot even imagine. That's why God has put us here on this earth and where we are here. We are to be doing what Jesus came himself to do, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice two revelations here, though, from this scripture. Notice in verse 21 here that Jesus first explains the text. It's a one-sentence sermon that that explodes your your ear every couple of words. Imagine uh, that he says, verse 21, very slowly, very clearly, very loudly. Verse 21. And he began to say to them, so all their eyes are fixed on him. They're wondering, what is he going to say about this passage in Isaiah? And here's what he says in verse 21 to them. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's it. Today, not in Isaiah's day, but in their day, on that very day, in your hearing, right in front of you, with my words, Jesus says, in person, not by secondhand hearsay, this Scripture, the announcement of God's salvation that had been promised long ago has been fulfilled, completed, brought to pass, has come true. In this one sentence, Jesus proclaims that he is the Messiah who brings this great salvation that was promised to Israel. But get this, the people enjoyed the sermon, but they didn't see the Savior. They thought Jesus was a nice preacher, but they were too familiar with him. Because all they see is Joseph's son. Look at verse 22. All spoke well of him. Everybody marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He's nobody. He's just a carpenter's son. He's Joseph's son. Who is he? They miss the very fulfillment of Scripture, and they only see this hometown boy uh, who, who, in a sense, has made good. Uh, you know, sometimes the truth is hidden to us right in plain sight. Sometimes the familiar hides the fantastic. Uh, that's why automobile accidents happen most of the time within a few blocks of a driver's home. Because as a person is getting closer to home, you assume everything is okay. It's as it always has been. You don't see the unusual thing that's going on with the other driver. And before you know it, you're in an accident. Familiarity is why most household accidents happen in the bathroom. Things don't change in the bathroom. Do they? (laughs) We're so comfortable and we're so familiar, though, that we don't always see the wet floor. And we slip and we fall. Familiarity is why a lot of people don't recognize Jesus as their Messiah. They've had just enough Bible to make them think they know, and so they're not looking any deeper. They're familiar with the Sunday school Bible stories. They've come to church at Easter and and Christmas. They've heard a little bit on TV or, or in the community, so they become familiar, and they don't see. 
Don't be too familiar with Jesus. Look hard. Listen long. Be certain that you recognize him for who he is. He is someone who gets deeper the deeper you look. We were talking about this about this morning's passage that we looked at in John chapter 4. And it's just like, even as a pastor, I go back and I'm thinking, how did I miss that word? That meant so much, that explained so much. When I read it before and, and is preparing for this message, I, whoa, there's this word that explains the passage. You know, so don't become so familiar that you don't recognize him for who he is. Jesus goes on to anticipate, though, what the people are thinking. So look at verse 23. So they had said, is not this Joseph's son? And, they, and he said to them, doubtless, I know what you're going to say. You're going to quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your own hometown as well. So Jesus sees them even though they don't see him. Jesus says there's going to come a day when they're going to say to him, doctor, heal yourself. And you can't help but think, of those religious leaders at Jesus' crucifixion when they were mocking and saying, he saved others, let him save himself if this is God's Messiah. Luke 23, 35. That day is coming, but right now they want him to do in Nazareth, in his hometown, what he had done over in Capernaum. They want him to put Nazareth first and, and minister there. Why didn't you do this in your own hometown, Jesus? It's like they're, they're jealous that these things happen uh, over in Capernaum. They want him to prove himself by working miracles here and putting Nazareth on the map. It's the response of pride and unbelief. It's self-importance and entitlement. And notice Jesus finds no honor in their response. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. They're not going to honor him here in Nazareth. Familiarity breeds contempt. To them, he's just always going to be Joseph's son. You see, it's dishonoring to call, some, call Jesus something less than he really is. Muslims say they honor Jesus as a great prophet, but they dishonor him by denying that he's the son of God. Hindus say they honor Jesus by worshiping him as, as one of thousands of gods, but they dishonor him by not seeing uh, that, that he is the only true God and, and all others are idols. People think they honor Jesus by saying, well, he's a good moral teacher, but they dishonor him by refusing to see he's the savior of the world to honor Jesus you have to receive him as he really is he's the Messiah he's the son of God the only one who rescues sinners from God's wrath and makes those same sinners righteous in his sight and then comes the second dramatic revelation in this passage in this sermon in this message that he shares not only does the audience in the synagogue not accept him as Messiah but the Gentiles will be brought in while Israel is cut off. So he gives them two analogies from their history. He reminds them uh, of the widows uh, in, in Elijah's day. So verse 24 says, he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Then verse 25, But in truth I tell you, 
There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them but to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they, they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. He says, even though there were many widows in Israel, God sends Elijah to the widow of Zarephath and Sidon. When Jesus reminds them of Elisha, Many lepers were in Israel in Elisha's day, but God sends Elisha to Naaman. Sidon and Syria were Gentile lands and Gentile people. And Jesus is saying God's salvation passed over Israel and went to the Gentiles. Israel rejected their prophets, but the Gentiles received them and were saved. See, God had always intended to save uh, every nation and every tribe and, and every tongue, every language, not just from Israel. As Paul explains in Romans, the Gentiles have been grafted in uh, to, to God's salvation because the Israelites have been broken off. And that's what Jesus preaches here. Israel will be cut off and the Gentiles will be brought in because God's salvation is for all the nations. God's salvation isn't just for us in America. It's for people all around the world. No matter what their station is, no matter what their economic status is, is for everyone who will receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Are we like the people in the synagogue who miss Jesus, though? Maybe we've been brought up in church the way they were raised in the synagogue. We know the language of the church. We know the culture. We know the rituals. We know the routine. But we don't really know Jesus. And so Jesus' sermon is aimed here at at the nominal believer, the person who who assumes they are God's people, but they're not living it, and they don't have that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So know that the Lord's application to them and to us is you can miss God's salvation if you fail to recognize Jesus. Maybe you haven't thought of Jesus as necessary to your salvation and forgiveness with God. You haven't thought of him as the one who provides you righteousness and pays the penalty of your sin. Maybe you've taken it for granted and you've not told your neighbors. You've not gone to the poor, to the destitute, to the blind and to the naked. You haven't thought of him as the one who provides that righteousness, who who loved you in that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Today, is the day of salvation and today is the day for us to take up the call and to minister to the people around us god has placed us here we may not get to go to ukraine again we may not get to go to some places around the world some of us may get to go again to some of those places but know this god is still on his throne and just as he is here with us he is there with them and we need to urgently in our prayers continue to lift them up continue to lift the the spreading of the gospel up in those areas and to do all that we can from here and if god gives us that opportunity take the opportunity 
and answer the call. Believe in Jesus. Trust him. Repent of your sin. Come to faith in him. Don't miss the salvation that he brings. And don't let others miss that salvation because you didn't tell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer once again, thank you, Lord, for this passage that Jesus tells us what he came to do. He came to make a difference in the hearts and the lives of people around him, not just in the physical, in the physical too, but most importantly in the spiritual, in the eternal. As Father, I pray that we would seek to do that also. Lord, that our, 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 our gospel that we're sharing from the gospel, from the word of God would go forth from our lips, but that we would demonstrate it with our hands and our feet, our pocketbooks, whatever way, Lord, that we might serve you in those ways. Even, Lord, if it's just uplifting prayer, prayer for missionaries, prayer for believers around this world, like those in Ukraine who are suffering. And Father, we just pray for your hedge of protection around each and one, every one of those believers. Lord, we don't realize, we know, how easy we have it here in America. So, Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts and help us to realize that, to, to take one of these pictures tonight and, and to be reminded of these individuals in prayer from Ukraine, to, to maybe go back and watch that video if we're at home, to, to see those images and those faces once again. Even though we may not know them personally, you do. And you know right where they are right now. You know the fear that they're experiencing. You know the, the, the suffering that they're under. Father, I just pray that you'll make yourself known to them right now. That if they are believers, Father, we pray, God, that you will strengthen their faith in you like never before. They would trust in you and they would have that, that firm resolve, Lord, to continue serving you no matter what tomorrow brings. Lord, I pray that for those who, who, who don't know you, I pray, Lord, that this would be an opportunity for them. That you would use it to bring them to that place to cry out to you for salvation before it's too late. Father, we know it doesn't have to be a war. It could be a car accident. It could be a slip and a fall in the tub. Whatever it might be, Lord, help us to be ready when that moment and that day comes that we did not miss who Jesus is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our closing. Would you stand as we sing number 275?
Ken for sharing that and Diane for sharing uh, about the people there uh, that you and those who went were able to connect with. Uh, do continue to remember all of them uh, in your prayers in the days ahead. Thank you for joining with us tonight there uh, online. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. We'll be back in the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. Uh, so join us again there. We have Awana uh, on Wednesday night, so come out for that. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you then. You have a blessed week, and we'll see you this Wednesday at 6 o'clock.